Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today we are joined by Michael, our resident ephesiologist. My name is Andrew Johnson. I am an associate pastor here at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and we are joined by Matt Harbor. He is the professor of missions at Bethany Global University. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. Um, well, I'm excited, Matt. I love I love it when worlds intersect, and this is one of those occasions when worlds are intersecting. Okay. Well, then I'll let Matt explain whether that intersection is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so, <laughs> Matt, I, I just you know threw your title out. The university you teach at. Um, can you tell us a bit more about yourself so we can put uh, some some flesh on those bare bones and kind of just understand who you are. Yeah, so like like you said, I'm uh, on the faculty here at Bethany Global University, which is in the Twin Cities. Sorry about my thing there. In the Twin Cities area, uh, South Minneapolis suburbs. Um, I've been here teaching uh, in this capacity just about seven and a half years, give or take. Um, even though I've been in the area for for about ten. Uh, my career, such as it is, has been a mix of uh, missions and discipleship oriented ministry and education in various combinations of those three things on three different continents <laughs> and uh as only the lord can do orchestrated me landing here in the role that i'm in and it's it's really right up my alley i love what i'm doing bethany is a uh, a missions training and sending organization that got its uh start just right after world war ii right here on this campus in bloomington and gone through a number of iterations and is training and mobilizing young people for cross-cultural missions, uh, taking the church to where it's not and helping others to do the same. That's our tagline. So, I, I love what you guys do, Matt. You're, you're an academic institution that has a mission-sending uh, goal to it. And I love the tying of those two things together. Yeah, as far as we know, we're the only fully accredited university that has a sole focus in training and sending for missions. So there's various majors students can have with different access platforms within a missions world, but yeah, we're doing it and uh, trying to get Michael's material on board in some of our graduate courses. Actually, I think there's been a, I've, I've, I've seen BGU mentioned on a previous podcast not long ago. And uh, our intersection has happened here because, uh, through learning of the ethesiology book, ended up uh, a student with Michael in the master's degree program through ethesiology in uh, missiology of movements, and am uh, nervously signed up to begin doctoral studies, hopefully <laughs> this summer, if, if, it, if it pans out well. So, yeah. Welcome to the nervousness. That's right. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. But I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the time. So Michael and I, I've, I have this view quite often. We've, we've Zoomed and done this a number of times. So 
it's uh, not too much of a stretch to record it for a podcast, I don't guess. So <laughs> yeah, right. let everybody else enjoy your moments. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we have you today on the podcast. Uh, now for those oftentimes we'll try to stay away uh, from locating ourselves on a timeline uh, so that it can get posted whenever, but we are posting this. Uh, We're recording two days after the Super Bowl. And we wanted to record so close to the Super Bowl because at the Super Bowl was the uh, pinnacle or the continuation or the start. I'm not really sure how to frame it of the he gets us uh, commercial campaign. Um, and we, we knew it was coming. We have seen these ads. He gets us as a campaign and as a marketing tool has been building for the last year, commercials airing during certain sports, uh, basketball or football games, uh, throughout the past year, but the super bowl, they paid big money and they aired two commercials, uh, Michael and Matt have joined together to write an article, not about the Super Bowl commercials, but just generally the campaign. So gentlemen, tell us about what this article is and what the aim of it is. Well, th- let me give you some background, uh, perhaps as we're leading into this, because helpful. Um, helpful. the article actually was a surprise. I I didn't set out to write an article and Matt and I, even as we've uh, had conversations about the campaign, it never really intended to do anything uh, in regards to um, you know writing or presenting or or any such thing as that. But it, they it became a, an academic exercise, really, that we did as a class in a, a theology class. Um, but even before then, the background was um, the the campaign started early in in twenty twenty two. Uh, uh, probably March is when I became aware of it, Easter. And it was during a news program that uh, He Gets Us ad came on the the air. Uh, I was at my mother-in-law's and it came on. I thought, oh, wow, that that was really compelling, that ad. You know, the black and white images, the voiceover, uh, it was just super compelling. And then it ends with he gets us and then Jesus, you know, with us highlighted in yellow as we've all come to recognize. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I wonder who's behind it because it looked too crisp and clean and and really too. um, uh, It looked too good to be made by Christians. Well, I mean, that was the impression, you know, and that's the common uh, the idea I think that we have about Christian attempts to market things. And so I, my first impression was, well, this must be the Mormons because they generally do a fantastic job in their advertisements uh, or the Jehovah's Witnesses or someone else. But I eventually, uh, of course, came across uh, the He Gets Us website and uh, and made note that this was an attempt by evangelicals to uh, in some way, make Jesus relevant in culture. And uh, and so doing some more digging uh, on the website, I, 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 began, I, I began to become a little concerned because I wasn't really understanding who Jesus was from the content of the website. And that's what our article is focused on. Um, there, there's a lot of material right now surrounding He Gets Us 
not just the advertisements that we saw at the Super Bowl or those that we see during sporting events or or other uh, commercials on television. But there are other partners, uh, Uversion Bible, uh, several others. Alpha is partnering. Um, so there is a lot of material. Glue, uh, who is a, I don't know exactly what glue is. Maybe somebody else does. Uh, but they appear to be a, a an analytics company that gathers information and and has a platform in which you know they can help to disseminate that information to churches and those interested. Um, uh, and so there's a lot that is going into this whole campaign. Can I stop but, you? Because yeah. you you have just done layer upon layer upon layer of thought. So let me peel this back or rather rewind. You mentioned you looked at the website and you started seeing things that were Jesus-like or Jesus-askew, but not Jesus. You You were saying, I'm just not really sure I'm getting to know who Jesus is by being at the website. Uh, what do you mean by that? And then, Matt, I would love for you to chime in. What were some of the things that you saw on the website that caused questions? I don't want to say caused concerns that like this is this big, huge alarm bell, but what, what questions? So, M Michael, what did you find? And then, Matt, what were some of your thoughts as you looked around? Well, yeah. So the website, again, just as the the ads are, the website is uh, done in a very clean crisp way uh the, the the topics are very on point they obviously have done their research and we know about that research that has been done in terms of their tar target audience and how they're trying to engage with them and so the the touch points that they have on the website are very well done uh, and they focus on who jesus is when he walked on earth uh, as a as a human and so they're wanting people to understand that this Jesus who walked on earth uh, was a person like we were, and he had uh, he had struggles like we have struggles, and he can connect with you. He gets you. And so the concern became, is this a complete view of Jesus? Isn't there more to who he is uh, other than just simply his humanity? And of course, we know that from uh, the historic Nicene Orthodoxy that we've inherited, that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. And, and that wasn't coming across clearly, and, and that's, that became a concern. Now, that being said, and then I'll let Matt chime in here, but that being said, um, there are ancillary materials that will get into those things. But to get to those materials requires another click or two or requires a click plus signing up for something else. And, and so it, the, it, distance, it distances the person who is interested in who Jesus is from the information that will really explain clearly who Jesus is as he's presented in the New Testament. Yeah, I, um, so I had never actually heard or seen or at least noticed, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but the, any of the He Gets Us material until Michael brought it up in the course that I was uh, participating in, which would have been in June or July, I guess, of uh, this past summer. So a little bit after uh, he was initially made aware of it. And so 
as part of just the activity for that course, we of course looked dug into the website and and had some conversations and even joined in a conversation with one of the main players on the He Gets Us uh, organization, um, just to hear their take on it. But what I noticed, and I think for me personally, um, on the one hand, so I live in very close to South Minneapolis. And if you have been paying attention at all in the last few years in our country has been the hub of so much of the unrest and social justice uh, calls for justice and, and so forth. And so uh, maybe my proximity to some of that, I'm a, a little more sensitive to the, some of the positive things I actually saw in there. I distinctly remember in the days of the George Floyd riots and so forth, having a conversation with a young guy at our church, uh, it was probably a high school senior, maybe early college age guy, uh, just about the church around here at least didn't know what to do. What do we do? Our city is literally on fire and the violence is crazy. And we're just sort of standing here not knowing what to do. And, and, Paul's discussion in Ephesians was just constantly going over my mind of Christ being uh, in Christ, the dividing wall of hostility being torn down only in Christ. So that the, these peoples, if you will, that are so different and hostile toward one another won't be able to see each other or hear each other unless that wall comes down and that's only in Christ. And so Initially, if I'm honest, when I saw some of the pieces from he gets us about, well, even let's just say the one, this ad, frankly, that ran in the Super Bowl, the second of the two was Jesus loved our enemies or loves our enemies. And I thought that one, frankly, we'll probably get to it later, was way more poignant or, or, or better, I guess, than the first one that aired, in my opinion. But what I didn't see, though, so I'll let's say there was part of me that was enthusiastic about some of the things that I was seeing while at the same time, what we were bringing up with Michael in our courses and what we ended up ultimately writing about. Um, if you're concerned with my, my concern was what we're not revealing is who it actually is that gets us. And wouldn't that be more compelling? So you, you know, the, one of the messages of he gets us is we want to present a compelling picture of Jesus to the world up against the sort of failed attempts, I guess, to present him in a compelling way. But in leaving out what's left out of his lordship and his divinity, wouldn't it be more compelling if people who are seeking or whatever actually understood that it is God who gets us? Jesus is God, if that makes sense. That, that was my biggest concern that, man, we're so close. But when you're leaving out this whole half of the message in terms of fully God, fully human, you miss the mark utterly. Mm -hmm. And that was my biggest concern. And and so I've gone back through the website material and, and so forth, just sort of almost hoping that one of the that at some point there'll be a breakthrough in that regard, but I've not seen it so far. <laughs> I was a little on the sassy side. I know that's gonna surprise all of the listeners who have listened to a few podcasts, um, that's news to you that I might be sassy, but I went to the website um, because I too have perused, I have looked around, I have seen the, the multiple sets of links and the places that you can go. And 
I just wasn't seeing a whole lot about Jesus being God. I wasn't seeing a lot about the hypostatic union, right? The, <laughs> the, the, the fact that he was fully God and fully man, not partial or portions of both, but full and full. And I wasn't seeing it. And it struck me, if he isn't God, what does it matter that he gets us? Um, mm. It only matters that he gets us because he is God. And I just felt like, Matt, I'm echoing you. It just, it shocked me that there wasn't this overwhelming push to talk about it because if Jesus gets us, it is only remarkable because he is divine. And yeah. Uh, if God gets us, that is incredibly good news. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, it's God that gets us. And that that was my heart. And so I, I went looking. I didn't see it on the website, but they have a search field. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the search field and I'm going to talk or I'm going to type, is Jesus God? I, I would think among the things that they might link to, probably I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a marketer. Note. I am not a marketer. And I said, is Jesus God? I thought there's going to be a hit on that. Unfortunately, the website came back and said, we have no results. And um, it even had like a preformed quirky response. Like uh, Jesus may know everything, but we don't. And I thought this is just too ironic that the site that is supposed to teach me about Jesus, that he gets us. If I'm asking, okay, well, is Jesus God? Show me an article. Show me something on your website that is going to key in on this super important question. Comes back nil. Mm. Uh, we have nothing for you, essentially. And it made me sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me reiterate that, um, well, a couple of things. One is uh, the website has gone through a couple of different iterations, and in its latest iteration, they do include in their about us a clear statement that they believe that Jesus is fully human and fully God. Um, it, at the same time, they also make it clear that others don't have to believe that. Um, they just simply want to introduce the example of who Jesus is and let other people, let, let us decide what that means to us. And, uh, and of course, you know, Matt and I in particular are thinking about these things from a missiological perspective because that's our backgrounds. And, uh, and it makes us raise the question, you know, as we are contextualizing Jesus, as we are trying to uh, communicate who he is to an audience in the context of the United States that is already somewhat familiar with who he is, but have a somewhat distorted view of him. Uh, and as we know from a number of different polls that uh, the majority of Americans look at Jesus as just simply being a great created person, a great teacher, a good philosopher, or, or whatever, um, that the, the efforts of the websites was reinforcing that already dominant cultural view of who Jesus is. Uh, yet, at the same time, as I said before, they do provide avenues by which you can receive content on the biblical Nicene view of Jesus's nature as human and divine. But there's a distance to that. It takes more clicks, as I mentioned, more 
registrations and and so on before somebody could to could get to that. Uh, but all that said, I mean, I think from a marketing perspective, um, what they've done is really stunning. Uh, USA Today pu- publishes, you know, their rankings of the advertisements of the Super Bowl and. The first ad uh, that communicated that Jesus wants us doesn't want us to act like adults, but wants us to be childlike. Uh, that ad ranked in the top ten. It was number eight out of out of fifty one Super Bowl ads. It's number eight in 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 the rankings. And then the second ad, uh, which was communicating uh, the idea that Jesus loved even those who hated him. Uh, or hate us that uh, that one ranked number fifteen in in the rankings out of fifty one ads. So from a marketing perspective, boy, they've they've done something brilliant to get people to react to the ad. Um, but I think that our concern from a missiological perspective is it's you know it's one thing to get people to click or react or view something that you're advertising that's another thing to get them to take action on it and uh and and then even to take that further step of coming to the realization of who Christ is as lord and and savior who came to um to not only get us but also to provide uh, a means of salvation so that we could uh, inherit eternal life with the Father. So, yeah, so from a missiological perspective, I, I think there's still something that needs to be included uh, there for it to be as effective as we would hope. Uh, but from a marketing perspective, I think it's just an absolute brilliant uh, marketing effort. Well, the one thing to add on what you got, you mentioned, I looked up just this morning or yesterday, their uh, partner's website in the About Us section. And they say, you know, we believe he, Jesus, was fully God and fully man. By design, our media message focus on his humanity. Since we've learned, these resonate with the widest possible audience. So I'm sure that's true. Uh, and they go on and say, we're simply inviting them to explore how might things be different if more people followed his example. Mm. Fair enough. But Andrew, what you said a minute ago that, you know, what does it matter if he gets us, if he's even a great example or if he's not divine? And, and I think that's the, the touch point there. Missiologically speaking, what does it really matter at the end of the day? Because it, it, are, is there not some risk of a bait and switch reaction when we're spending all of this effort to highlight Jesus's humanity he gets us which is totally biblical by the way <laughs> but um but that rest of the story is the kicker you know and so now now go here or go to a church that has agreed to kind of do some of our follow-up work for us um you just got to wonder how well the church is going to do in in transitioning from the humanity, him getting us to, he also asks us from scripture, who do we say that he is, mm-hmm. which is really the key. <laughs> so, uh, so those are some of my missiological worries. And if we're, you know, if the church is doing a poor job at, or, you know, has been doing a poor job at communicating Jesus in a compelling way, is this a is this a great strategy toward that? 
I think it's certainly a great encouragement. And, and I mean to say, watching the ad, that second ad about, you know, Jesus loves those we hate, convicting, right? I mean, at, at any point, as you went through that commercial, as those images just kept flashing, is like, no, that's not me. That's not me. Oh, that might be me. Um, I might have found myself in that picture, and I don't. I'm not really happy with being portrayed that way. Um, but the fact that he's like, so that that actually was a, certainly a bit more of that call of like Jesus does actually. He is different, right? He is like us, and then unlike us, and there is something desirous of that unlike like we we that's that fuller image the image of the invisible god um it, it's him and it's what he did however let me let me temper some of my thoughts here matt as you're talking i'm just thinking along that line of the bait and switch the sadness of what's left on the table um it seems like the biggest desire that they want us to know is that we are understood by Jesus. If I went to a counselor and they smiled and nodded and all they said to me was, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I understand. And you say, great. So how can you help me? Well, I can't, but I get you. If you go to a doctor, Doc, my arm's broken. Yeah, I understand how that'd be hard. Can you help me? No. But I see your arm's broken. Mm. I understand that. We yeah, come to well, Jesus think... to be healed. <laughs> we, right. we come to Jesus to be made whole. We are broken. We need peace. We actually still fight with hate because we are broken. And we need to have him come and make us whole. So if he understands me, that's a great first step. Yeah. But if we don't come to him as healer, as Lord, as King, then the journey is incomplete. Mm. And how am I able to become the kind of person who can not be governed by hate? Is in fact, actually the task of the church to, you know, can we put that sign out in front of our churches that, that come here and we, we can point you toward him who is able, able to transform you into the kind of person who isn't governed by those things. Mm. How big is that by sign? following an example. It's by becoming a disciple and confessing lordship. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let me make this point, too, because I think we want... I mean, we want to be uh, fair, of course, with the the campaign. They they have two objectives. One is to make Jesus relevant to U.S. culture, and then the second is to help Christians understand uh, how we're perceived. And uh, and I think they've done that. And I think that's been brilliant. I mean, when you like you said, Andrew, when you look at that second ad uh, about Jesus loving even those we hate. Uh, that's, I mean, that does cut at the heart because if anything has characterized the church and Christianity in the United States over the past uh, decade, uh, it, it has been the perception that we don't love well. We, we hate, uh, we have issues with things that are going on in culture and, and we're against uh, a lot of things. And, uh, and so, 
So that in that sense, I think the marketing campaign has done a, another a, a great job in helping raise the awareness of how we are perceived in culture. The, the unfortunate thing on on all of this uh, is um, as we're scrolling through social media, that it doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, progressive. Uh, I mean, they are getting lambasted by every side uh, of Christianity and of culture for their advertisements. And uh, and that's a little disheartening. But even still, I mean, their rankings, their views are just off the charts. So, uh, yeah, this is just one of those interesting cultural moments, I think, where it were presented with an opportunity uh with these ads for us to act upon them and and uh and to relate with people because at the end of the day it's not the advertisement or the website or any of that that's going to ultimately uh compel somebody to Christ it's going to be the interpersonal relationships with those who love Christ and uh, and can engage in very respectful and thoughtful and meaningful ways and connect people and help them to see who this Jesus is in all of his humanity and all of his godness, uh, that he is indeed the one who gets them and can bring healing to your brokenness. Yeah, I think I, I have to, again, I am sassy and oftentimes I'm a cynic. And uh, those are certainly things I know that Jesus needs to work out in me. And when I see leaders uh, who are behind this, like Ed Stetzer, um, Ed, you know, tweeting consistently, constantly, be in prayer. The ads are coming. Um, be in prayer for those conversations that come on the other side of this. Uh, cynical side is like, I don't think you're going to like where these conversations are going. Um, I don't think the way that we can actually have a beneficial conversation, not all of these ads are going to generate that. However, that's very unchristlike of me to be like, oh, pray about it. Sure, Ed. Like, that's exactly what we should be doing. We should constantly be in prayer for efforts uh, for his kingdom, not Ed's, Jesus' kingdom, that we are praying that his kingdom expands, that hearts are stirred, that brokenness is revealed and that a savior is needed that they can reach out to the friends in their lives who do love jesus and have him as lord savior and and sole leader of their life um to say hey there's something about this commercial i don't get but i do like um yeah god be praised god be praised and part of that i think is what led really to the paper that Michael and I ended up writing that now, okay, advertisements are not it, the church. What it, it just where it came up for us out of the course we were in, you know, aside from this was what's, what does it look like to, to actually present a compelling picture of Jesus to culture? Um, he gets us. He's got half of it. They're pretty, you know, they're, they're certainly nothing's perfect, but they're, given it their best to present a compelling picture of culture and it's hitting the church like you guys are saying but then it came down to us well what is what is a biblical a full biblical picture of of jesus then and that was kind of my 
concern was, well, the incompleteness is thus inaccurate. So what's the rest of that picture? Even if it's real, if the incomplete picture is biblical. So what's the rest of that picture? It was where our paper ended up going. And, and, and kind of putting that up against other historical examples of pointing out the humanity and the, the attractive humanity, if you will, of, of Christ without the Christianity, if you will. Well, I'm excited that you guys wrote the paper. I'm excited that you guys are pointing to that fuller picture of Jesus, fully God, fully man. Yeah. Well, I think what this is doing, and and this, I think this is very important, and part of Matt and my objective is to begin a conversation in the academic world about how we contextualize Jesus. What is it that's important for us to communicate in our culture about who Jesus is so that the culture really understands who it is that gets them? And I'm excited about that conversation. In fact, uh, through a network that um, I'm a part of, I, I don't know, Matt or Andrew, if you guys have been connected with this group or not, but but we've I, we've had a, a nice conversation about those contextualization issues. And I think that's where this conversation needs to go, in, at least among academics and missiologists. How is this helping us to better shape the way in which we communicate who Jesus is. And uh, and along with that, I think one of the, of course, one of the objectives that we have at Ephesiology is to, to think, how can we creatively uh, uh, use new language that will connect with culture while also preserving our historic uh, faith? And uh, and so this, I, I think, in many ways that he gets us is helping us to advance that conversation and to explore even further about ways in which we can communicate who Jesus is to our neighbors and uh, co-workers and uh, people that we might meet anywhere in the grocery store, on an airplane or, or whatever. So, so is this where I chime in and say, that's a really expensive experiment, though. This is a lot of money to pour into this overall <laughs> let's learn let's learn how how much money it takes to change the language in a culture right i mean yeah that's i mean of course when we look at social media that's been one of the critical uh voices out there is the amount of money that this is costing it's a three-year from what i understand a three-year at least a billion dollars uh in advertising monies um, that are going into to marketing Jesus, um, the Super Bowl, of course, was seven million for thirty seconds, and so about twenty twenty one million dollars was spent at the Super Bowl, and and a lot of people are saying, you know, we we could use that money in other ways, and of course we know that. Um, yeah, I I mean that's. I mean, there's one side of me that says, gosh, for $21 million, I hope that you will at least compete with other uh, commercials, you know, during the Super Bowl. And, and, and he gets us did that number eight ranking, number 15 ranking. So that 21 million uh, got them a good position among other brands. Uh, so is, is it worth it in the end? Well, I think that's the question. One of the questions that we're all waiting to to see uh, how what's going to be the long term impact 
of that 21 or $20 million investment, what will be the long-term impact of a billion dollars in uh, marketing money to go to making Jesus relevant in culture today? And I would venture to say these are it's a marketing firm with all the connections they have and the supporters that they have, who I would venture to say are spending plenty of money on other things as well. Um, when you add it all up, however many donors and outfits there are contributing, you get this astronomical amount. But I'd venture to say, like I say, they're, they're not only throwing their financial weight behind the ads. I would they're, they're tithing and building other things, I would have guessed, for the kingdom with some of their money too. I'm going to choose maybe naively, to, but to, to say they raise their money for that, and I'm sure they're raising and contributing monies for other kingdom endeavors as well. I don't know if that justifies it, but that's a gracious, gracious take, gracious uh, <laughs> word, um, and I think one that probably does need to be weighed against those who are railing against them. Uh, by the way, that's actually uh, my favorite money to spend is somebody else's money. Sure. Um, and so that is what's happening right now is a lot of. Well, if I had that money, what would I like to do with that money? Um, it's not our money. And so that is how these people are choosing. Uh, one of the things that, that Michael, you and Matt have both hit on is kind of what is the, what's the measuring tool that we're going to use? Is it, is it those other commercials? Wow, it competed. I guess it was a success. Is that the measuring tool? Are, are we saying it's a success because it looked just as cool as some other commercials mm. is the measuring tool. Uh, what is that kingdom impact we're hoping to see people turn from death to life? Or are we, are we, ha what's the measuring tool to say Jesus is now finally relevant, mm. right? If that's one of the, how do you measure that? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that's something that we talk a lot about on the podcast. And of course, uh, uh, the book of physiology itself it was trying to address and is trying to address is how do we measure uh, the the impact of the gospel in the society and and what I've argued uh, for in the physiology is that a movement if it's genuinely going to be called a movement of God it has to have a social impact a, uh, economic impact a religious impact and a political impact on society, as well as an educational impact, because that's what we see in uh, the church in Ephesus and in Paul's mission uh, in Ephesus for, for approximately three years, is that there was that kind of transformation that occurred. Now, it wasn't always pleasant. I mean, politically speaking, there was a riot in Ephesus. Uh, many scholars, myself included, believe that Paul was imprisoned in Ephesus, uh, and so there were there were some unpleasant things that happened as a result. Um, the riot occurred because of the economic impact that Christianity had on the manufacturing of idols, and uh, and so that wasn't necessarily a, a positive impact on the economy because it it took away from one economic uh, uh, means of revenue. But there was an impact and there was transformation as a result. And so that's, I mean, that ultimately would be the hope of anyone that would identify themselves as a movement. Um, and, and, and of course, we see this 
even in secular movements as well, that uh, there will be some change that will occur in some segment of society, whether it's social, economic, political, educational, or, or whatever. Um, and so, it, of course, that would be the hope that we would see from this marketing campaign. Hmm. And that would be the measure, at least from my perspective, uh, that I would be looking for is to see, the, are we going to see that sort of social transformation that uh, is indicative of Jesus actually transforming the lives of people. Can I push back only slightly in that that actually is part of the feedback that is happening on the interwebs is the very uncomfortable, what is the aim of these? And the aim of these is for political transformation. And um, I was reading Bob Smitana's, uh, he had a tweet yesterday, I think, something that he's observing is the feedback from the warring factions and it's one side that is evangelical in theology right i mean to say you do need to actually tell others about jesus because he is life and then the political evangelical side and i am i am evangelical and thus it leads me to vote uh, always for thus and said party who supports thus and said causes um yeah, so maybe so, I should clarify here, Andrew, because you know that by political, I don't mean that we would expect uh, those who would come to Christ to become Republicans. That's not what we would imagine as a political transformation, but political in terms of the way in which society is structured and and the systems that we see in society that are governed by political entities, that those things would begin to change to address in very genuine ways the systemic injustice that we see uh, in whatever system it is that uh, we might have uh, some contention with, whether it's the prison system or healthcare or you know whatever other system. So in that sense, the polity of a city, the, the polis is going to have some sort of transformation when there are more people who are genuinely following the ways of Christ. See, I just saved some people from buying the book, Michael. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, that was I, what the other book was for, uh, When I, the Evangelicals Sneeze, uh, trying to address a, some of that. It's political. a legitimate thing that we do need to clarify, right? Just because so many people hear political, and when you start talking Jesus and politics, again, it's assumed Republican. It, it's assumed a, a GOP front. And I have seen a lot of angry people on Twitter and places like that, which by the way, I do understand Twitter is usually some of the place where the discontent is aired loudest. It, it, it takes a tone oh, on that sure. particular social media and it takes a different tone on Facebook. It takes a different tone on Instagram, like depending on where you're, you're polling from, you're going to get a different feel. So Twitter is the bit more, I think, left-leaning overall. And there are a lot of people who are just hurt <laughs> by the church and angry at Republicans. And so what am I seeing? I'm seeing people who have been hurt by the church and angry at Republicans who have not really been thrilled uh, by the He Gets Us campaign. However, I thoroughly appreciate the measuring tools that you're talking about that, that Jesus actually changes people 
that change society. I mean, mm. overall, um, that it is changed for the good. Uh, yeah, it is changed for that impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And isn't that interesting? I mean, I, I think as I'm as I look at the criticism, uh, and the, some of it's heartbreaking when, when you read those criti- those critical remarks. But I think for me, as I look at it as a missiologist, as an academic, what I'm seeing there are, you know, the issues that people are really wrestling with. And it's giving me an insight into where our culture is. And so, so for those of us that are uh, looking at that criticism, we need to be aware that that's people's reality. And we need to somehow address that reality more effectively as Christians in the world and uh, or in in the context of North America in this case. And so, yeah, while the criticism is is often harsh uh, and sometimes it's hurtful, if we have eyes to look at that as as perhaps the Lord telling us, boy, we need to get our act together so that we then can uh, more effectively, grace, graciously and respectfully uh, begin to engage uh, with people in our culture. Mm. Matt, do you have any uh, final throw-ins, missiologically, theologically, um, encouragements for us as we kind of close the book on this, on this conversation with He Gets Us? Well, it's funny because, I mean, missiologically or uh, theologically, I also think education, uh, pedagogically, I guess, <laughs> um, just in my role here, this activity and this, you know, has given me a lot of fodder for my classes, you know, who, who's my audience here that I'm mentoring or discipling and, in, and it, you know, young adult, primarily young adult, undergraduate, college age, missionaries in training, um, who are of a different generation than me and are stirred culturally, if you will, by a different stick than I was when I was at their age. And so it's fascinating for me to, to hear some of the reactions from what do you call them Gen Zers or whoever that I'm running with here of, to, of, of what it is that they critique from it versus what I'm kind of been critiquing from it. Um, some things are similar, some, are causing me to kind of piggybacking off what you said to check myself in my uh, innate tendencies to be a, an older, you know, a Gen X conservative, evangelical raised kind of person. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, um, my, my concern is, is really comes out of these questions missiologically and, and pedagogically in that how do we connect the story of Jesus, like Michael Lords it in his book, I think of, the true story of the world, who Jesus really is, um, with the story that people are living today in their lives and the real concerns that they have. If one, you know, the positive piece of he gets us, these are existential experiences that people are feeling hugely that are, that, that, that I think Christians, their point perhaps is Christians have been neglectful of the realities maybe for political purposes, like you're getting at. I read an article on CNN this morning. I don't know if you saw that. It was just blistering. Mm. Um, but it was all, all encased in sort of, you know, GOP political talking points or, or 
uber left top talking points in that regard um that's what i'm seeing um i think another piece that i so the question is how do we communicate this i think this the imagery is what's so powerful what the heat gets us videos they're incredibly well done that's going to appeal to people somehow just that it's well done but i think the use of images can we can we or someone add the the, the divine image right now i teach often mm. I, I what i call theology through the arts a guy named jeremy begby out of duke divinity school writes about that the the, the usefulness of the arts in teaching doctrinal truths because it resonates with our with our person in just a different way so i often use visual images early christian church prior to constantine if, if ever there was a jesus depicted not always but often it was good shepherd super humble young someone that looks like us how, how, a, how a persecuted roman christian can relate to god is through this good shepherd that's so unassuming it doesn't look like the kings of this earth right uh, which is a thoroughly biblical <laughs> image of Christ and, and all of the Old and New Testaments, both of God and Christ himself as the good shepherd. After Constantine happens, just a cultural shift happens. And through the writings of Augustine and so forth, you, you know, God starts to be in the, in the social consciousness. We have God as divine emperor and, and the imagery that the church creates of Jesus by and large. Now, sh good shepherd goes away and pantocrator and judge mm. and Throned Lord is the image of Jesus, which also, of course, is thoroughly biblical. But the same question is okay, now if I'm a peasant in the Roman Empire after this, how do I relate to this Jesus? There's yeah, it was a whole different dynamic there of being able to or, or not relate to this Jesus. But that shift of images, both are so completely biblical, but it's a shift of emphasis, like just shifting of the weight on a hip you know, changes the human form completely and thus changes if I'm going to sculpt or draw a human form. You sitting there on one elbow, Michael, if you shift to your other elbow, changes my whole composition of how I now am engaging with what I'm seeing and doing and depicting. How can we communicate both, we the church, communicate both clearly, both both within in, in educating ourselves to communicate but then also back into culture, how can we communicate both clearly and compellingly the fully God, fully man, Jesus? That's, I don't know if that answers your question. That's what I'm thinking of, of how do I teach that? Um, how do we teach that? How do, and then, and then cross-culturally, then how contextualizing, what does that do? Missiologically, the missiological problem of the ages is over contextualizing Jesus, but he's the one thing we can't contextualize because people need to let's get all the other barriers out of the way. And maybe that's what he gets us is doing is removing some barriers for some people, <laughs> but we got to stumble over Jesus for who he is. Who do you say that I am? Who do they say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Mm. And, right. And, and so that's what I've been writing about a little bit with Michael and, and certainly preaching at my students all about <laughs> lately. Yeah. I love that, Matt. You're, you're recorded. Matt, Matt is giving away some of our presentation uh, on March 18th. He and I have been invited to present at the Evangelical Missiological Society, and we're going to be talking about how do we talk about Jesus in the church? How, how do we help people to clearly articulate who he is? And 
So I'm really grateful that Matt is is uh, going to be contributing to that conversation and excited about uh, thinking about new ways in which we can effectively share the story of Jesus uh, to, in our culture. Well, Matt, if people have been excited, uh, well, first of all, thank you for being with us. This was enriching and uh now my brain's kind of firing on all of the uh the thoughts of how do we continue to portray christ to the world again and and you were talking all of those excellent visual things and my mind's going to the audio you know how how that tends to grab us we can save that conversation for later uh if people want to engage with you in that conversation um where can they find you how can they interact with you uh, I can be reached at uh, matt.harbour, H-A-R-B-O-U-R, with the in- proper English spelling, at bethanygu.edu. Someone wants to shoot me an email. Um, or just check out Bethany at all at bethanygu.edu. Um, if you want to get into missions, shameless plug for my outfit on the podcast here. Oh, we are nothing but shameless on this podcast. <laughs> so... Uh, it has been so good to have you. Thank you for uh, enriching this conversation. Uh, to you, the listener, thank you so much for taking your time with us. Um, I think a, a healthy way to respond even to this podcast is to go out and ask others who are in your world, um, what are you seeing in the He Gets Us campaign? What are you thinking about Jesus? Did that change at all? because of this ad and uh truthfully i I, i'm doing exactly what ed stetzer is encouraging us to do go out and talk to others about jesus strike up conversations and i hope and pray that their advertising efforts um allow god's kingdom to expand and grow and deepen and thrive um it is our prayer uh if you have been encouraged by hearing matt and michael talk about uh, the class that they took. You can uh, go on to masterclasses.ephesiology.com to learn more about um, the classes that we have to offer. See if anything is going to encourage you. If you want to join Matt and I in the insanity of pursuing a higher degree, like a doctorate of ministry, a PhD, I think, is that is that online or is that... Okay, so it is online um, or even just master's uh, degrees. Uh, please go learn more. Um, It is exciting and it is wonderful. So uh, for Michael, for Matt Harbour and myself, thank you for joining us today on the Ephesiology Podcast.